Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller like me, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Skylight. Wow, it's a special evening tonight because our readers tonight are not famous authors. They're not globe-trotting dilettantes yet. Uh, but we all have dreams, um, and you guys get to be here to see those dreams happening. Um, I prepared really well for this. <laughs> um, I'm Maddie. I'm your host for this evening. Um, this is my first year at Skylight, uh, and I, when I first moved to L.A., um, I thought, I'm very unemployable. Where can I get a job? Where can I get a job where I would actually be happy? Uh, and the answer was Skylight. Um, I had been coming here to shop uh, on my visits to L.A., and I had always been struck by how beautifully curated and careful, carefully thought um, the selection was here. I was always discovering new things, and I also noticed that they had a lot of artists on staff. And as an artist myself, I was like, okay, I'll be at home here. Like, <laughs> these people will accept me. And they did. Um, and, and this is a really special place, and I'm so happy to be here uh, to celebrate it with you guys tonight. Um, all right, so first I want to give you a peek at some... Nope, I'm not going to because I forgot to write them down. But uh, upcoming events, if you're curious, we've got some takeaway flyers up at the front. I've just printed out the September list, which is jam-packed with excitement and fun. So please pick one of those up. You can also check our website, skylightbooks.com. Uh, there's also an email mailing list you can sign up for, also up at the front register. Um, yes, uh, if everyone could help me out right now and silence your cell phones. We've got, a we've got a variety of acts tonight, so yeah, we don't want to disrupt the magic that's happening. Um, I, LA is like a wonderful place because everybody that you run into has at least one side hustle or weird talent that they're working on, and Skylight, this is like triply true. Everybody here is doing a million cool things inside and outside of work, um, and you can see that in the bookstore, but you can also see that in the colorful fabric of Los Angeles that our booksellers contribute to. Um, so again, we're so happy to have you guys here and uh, to show you what we can do. All right, so to start out tonight, um, I want to start with a brief sort of meditation, um, an appreciation, because one of our longtime uh, staffers here, the wonderful Noelle Alumet, has painted a painting especially for tonight. Uh, so I want you all to just take a moment in silence, appreciate this beautiful painting. Uh, Noel Alumet has been hosting at Skylight for 18 years. He is the pro of all pros. Um, he writes, acts, and paints. I believe this is titled The Man in the Yellow Hat. So let's all take a, a moment of silent art appreciation here. Thank you all very much. 
All right, so our first performer tonight, Ben Olcott. Ben will be reading an excerpt from his novel titled Abandon. He runs the Coyotes Book Club here at Skylight. He has a lot of smart things to say, smart thoughts. Uh, and he is an assistant to a TV producer. Right. Whoever would have thunk in Hollywood. Yeah. Give him a round of applause. Hey, everybody. Thank you for coming out. Um, so this is an excerpt from a novel. This is sort of, this is not the exact beginning. This happens a little bit later. So there are a few things to know. One is that the overall premise of the story, this guy, one Raymond Osborne, moves to Los Angeles to sort of start a new life and find hope and dreams and et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't go well for him. But he finds a, a woman to stay with. Her name is Rachel. You'll hear about her right at the, right at the top. And he likes her a lot. Um, I think that's kind of all there is to know. Maybe the one other reference is the Eroica is a, is a symphony by Beethoven. And you'll hear a reference to that. Okay. Here we go. <clears throat> Rachel works late, and with nowhere to go and nothing to do, I think, Hollywood, the center of this city's indu industry literalized, where better to experience Los Angeles, where better to absorb my new city's rhythms, where better to experience the corrupt heart of the nation as my mother, the untraveled poet, understood it. I open Uber, type in that single word. A taciturn driver with gray, stringy, hippie hair picks me up. His name is Carl. We swerve down Sunset Boulevard in the late afternoon light, and I thrill with excitement, imagining a newborn city still slick with meaning. After a few minutes, Carl pulls over along some anonymous low suburban street. Here, he says. I look out at the cement-struck block, nearly empty, abandoned. This is it? Carl grunts an affirmation at me. Disbelieving him, I ask, are you sure? He gawks at me through the rear view. Am I sure? You put in Hollywood, he says. You got Hollywood. Okay, man, I say, holding up a patient palm. He sighs as if I'd mentioned some forgotten dead relative. Of course, of course, no one bothers. No one bothers at all. Uh, no one bothers with what? He strikes the wheel, knifes a berating hand toward the windshield. Does anyone give a shit anymore? I mean, god damn, he mutters. Should just move back to fucking Santa Ana. <laughs> I peer out the window, squint, try to give as much a shit as Carl does, but I find more nothing. Squat gray office buildings, nondescript lots, rusted cars, a two-story mall stuck in a corner, businesses with names like Jewelry King and Smart Loan and Thai Massage. So this is the city. The driver laughs, a cackling, sardonic laugh. He mocks me. Yeah, man, it's here, it's there. Welcome to LA. Get used to it, or don't. Alarmed, accused, I step out in a daze, my premonition of fresh, sunny reality upended, my notions not just of Hollywood, but of any city life upended. I'd expected bustle, every inch reclaimed by people, buildings, construction, all congregating in a perpetual center, streets that seem to build and mount in a continuous symphony of motion and noise, blocks of skyscrapers known to world culture like the six thunderous notes of the Eroica, my dead father's favorite. Only after a moment do I discern city sound, cars humming and throttling, a distant din emanating as if from the pulsing silver light a mile ahead. A family, tourists, is plain to see, Mickey Mouse ears on the children, adults in their Sunday best, 
wait amiably at the adjacent crosswalk for the light to turn. I go up to them, hoping for some kind of reorientation. Do you know the way to Hollywood? I ask. The ruddy group turns hesitantly, smiles with the Midwestern bonhomie. The father, a jolly rouge in his cheeks, responds first. Hollywood? What you looking for? I don't know, I say. I'm, I'm looking for Hollywood. I thought it was more of a, the sign? The mother asks. Crow's feet splinter off her smiling eyes. Are you looking for the sign, sir? It's right there. She points somewhere behind her. No, I say, polo- uh, politely leaning in the direction of her point. I'm looking for the center of it, like the part that is the center of Los Angeles. <laughs> the parents titter, shift. They glance darkly at one another. The children suddenly erupt in squeals and giggles and tot around in circles, hands up and jazzing near their Mickey Mouse ears. Look, the father says, instinctively moving in front of his family. I don't know what you're getting at by this center talk, but the walk of fame starts a few blocks up. Just keep walking west, and that's pretty much it. It's where we're headed. The woman shoots him a hating look. The kids continue spinning and squealing. I feel sorry and obtrusive, and with a smile, try to convince them I'm sane, perfectly sane. All right, thanks. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'll do that. Thanks so much. I, I pull out my phone, pretend to respond to texts. They hustle off. I let two cycles of lights pass before I follow. For two blocks, nothing changes as I proceed. At each intersection, I peer down the north-south, cross, north-south crossroads, expecting to find some sign of life, a fledgling urban density. But I see only homes and lawns, split levels and manicured hedges and permit parking. The suburban grid continued. Yet at the end of the next long block, the profile of the buildings abruptly changes. Suddenly each, glass-windowed and high-rising and moneyed and so designed, comes draped, resurfaced, with stories-length advertisements depicting the lissom, smooth effigies of stars, with billboarded brand names up in blocky sans-serif type, subtitled with brusque, buzzy slogans challenging identity, all preconceived notions, with bright HD screens pixelating a smooth, slow-motion world. And height, suddenly there is height and more, a towering more that explodes in a moment's icy blast of commerce that overwhelms the vintage crenellated rooftops and sandstone gothic spires underneath. Cars roar past and the flashes make my pupils ache. And yet, once I cross the street and pass beneath the glitz blitz, the boring more of the same returns as if the city had been sheared to its true hide, dinginess, haunted desert sense, obscurity. But another block over, again the exclamatory more, a giant spangling mall, a towering gilt movie theater, crazy lights, and people, thousands of people hurrying and accumulating and thronging discordant bottlenecks. I look down to find beneath my feet the marble stars of the Hollywood Walk, pink asters inset with icons and names I don't recognize. A decadent hotel looms gaudily above me. Lamborghinis and Ferraris languish in the lacustrine front lot, the posh, busy, wealthy hustle in and out of black, unblemished escalades. The Pantages Theater sprouts up like a ghost, like a set reminiscent of the grand theaters of New York, but somehow falser. I go on street to peaking street in awe of this delirious rhythm, these protrusions of splendor and desperate business, class cultures clanging against one another like symbols. The famous sign is reproduced endlessly in the shoddy cluttered windows of tourist traps. Junk pins and pendants and vestments depict the hallowed faces of stars. Elvis impersonators, Marilyn Monroe impersonators squawk in the street, more clutter and significance than I can possibly perceive at once. A sudden flood of people assaults me, the wailing and hawkers, hawking of bus- buskers selling the same few junky trick- trinkets. 
Another enormous mall emerges, guarded by two sloppily crafted Egyptian statues, twin onks cross over their chests in the mold of Tutankhamun's tomb, the color drained from them as if the fiberglass itself were sick. I stare up at the statue's baffling kitsch like some dreary penitent who's gone too far. Beside me, a woman in a flamenco dress holds up miniatures. 30 for King Tut, 30 for King Tut, 30 for a piece of Hollywood, 30 for the King of the Egyptians, 30 for a Christmas gift, 30 for King Tut. All around me, people snap photos of the statues, of the theater, of the line, of storefronts selling photographs, of storefronts selling images, of the apparently famous Egyptian decor, a hall of mirrors, a hall of duplications. Beside it, another narrow shop sells tours of stars' homes, the addresses and locations of these real people really for sale. But the world masses past, oblivious to this, to this offense, and numbed, I joined their number, walked down another block, more of the same, and then another, exhausted. Some disoriented moments later, I find myself on the corner of another dingy street, standing before a sign that reads, here begins the Hollywood Walk of Fame. It's twilight, and as I look back the way I've come, the carnival, the carnival of it all seems disappeared, collapsed to a glow in the distance, a sick inflorescence. The block shines with the same non-dimensional light, and in its cold spectrum, I sense a whole world tucked away, a world of deviousness and black arts, Faustian bargains in the sale of bodies, a broken thing, a broken promise, hidden away. Thanks. Wow, you can really feel the, uh, the grime and the grit. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. All right, so next up, we have our newest Skylight staffer, right? Yeah. Um, the powerful and long-haired, luscious-haired Ian Irizarry. Um, he's going to show us some photography, so please give him a round of applause. Hello, um, my name is Ian Rosari. Um, I've been working here for about a month and a half, um, but I've been coming here as a customer for about 10 years, so I already feel at home here. So um, I, I moved to LA in 2008, and um, the big reason why I moved here was because I consider it to be you know, one of the cultural centers of America. You know, everybody comes here, I feel just so much is happening here. So um, ever since I moved here, I just made it a point, you know, I wanted to immerse myself in the cult, not only the culture that, that is L.A., but all the culture that comes to L.A. and comes through here. So, um, yeah, ever since I've lived here, I've just made it the point to go out as much as possible, you know, be it concerts, be it, you know, to museums, to libraries, to bookstores, to, to, to whatever I can. And so um, since I'd been going out so much, you know, I just always wanted to, you know, take some of that with me. So... I, it was never my goal to become a photographer. Like, I, I'm really just kind of self-taught. It's just, I, I'd gone to so many places and seen so many things. I just kind of, you know, started taking pictures of everything. Um, the cameras I use... Oh, whoops, I was standing on that the whole time. Um, the cameras I use are just really cheap. Um, they're point-and-shoots. You can get any of them at Best Buy for about a few hundred dollars. Um, but I, I, I've just used them so much. I, I, I'm, I'm very happy with a lot... After years and years of using these cheap cameras, I feel like I, I've developed a knack for them. So I just wanted to share some of the, the photography from all these different places with you, with these uh, cameras that I bought. So um, yeah, I, I know slideshows can be pretty dry, so I'll just kind of keep, keep the pace quick. Hello. Oh, cool. This one works, too. So 
First, I'd like to share um, some of my uh, music photography with you. I, I go to a lot of concerts. Oh, that's my title card. Um, so, yeah, I, I go to a lot, a lot of concerts all, all over L.A., from, from West Hollywood to Echo Park to downtown to Silver Lake. Um, and, yeah, I, I've just seen so many amazing bands from all over the world here, and I, I'd like to share some of my the pictures that I've taken of them with you. So, um, yeah, first of all, this is uh, Kim Shafino from the band Matt and Kim. Um, this was at um, a festival called the Sunset Strip Music Festival. Um, they, they no longer do it, but it had been going on in the Sunset Strip for many, many years. Um, yeah, you know, when I, Sunset Strip, that's legendary. That was one of the first places I wanted to go to when I came here. So, um, yeah, that, that, um, that was just a really fun time while it lasted. Um, and yeah, you can see here, she, I mean, she's transcending crowd surfing. She's actually standing on the crowd. Um, it was really cool just to be that close to her during that moment. Um, yeah, so next this is a band called uh, Shiny Toy Guns. Um, they're from Los Angeles as well. This was taken at the Regent Theater um, downtown. Um, yeah, I just, and you know, like, like I said, I'm, I'm self-taught. And so I never really learned all, you know, kind of, I never formally learned the correct way to take photographs. So, I mean, I, I, anything that looked cool to me, I just thought, okay, well, th that must be good, right? It looks cool. So um, I, I thought this is pretty cool, like just the way kind of the shadow and the light plays across this photograph. Um, okay, so next, this is a band called uh, Le Bucherets. They're from Mexico. Um, this was at the Shrine Auditorium. Um, they were opening for another band called At The Drive-In. Um, yeah, this, this singer, her name is a Terry Genderbender. She's just a, an amazing front woman, just very animated, very, really cool costume. I just thought I captured a really cool moment, like with the motion, you know, and, and her scarf here. Um, okay, yeah, this is a band called Starcrawler. They are also um, from Los Angeles. Was, um, if you've ever been to Amoeba Music, you probably recognize the stage. Um, yeah, just the singer for this band, her, her, she's very tall, very slender. Her proportions are just really interesting. And uh, I you know, caught her in this kind of moment where she was screaming, I thought it looked pretty cool. Um, okay, yeah, next this is a, an artist who goes by the name Kenga. Um, this was at a, um, a bar called the, the Eagle. It's called Eagle LA, it's in Silver Lake. Um, yeah, they just—they don't even really have a stage for bands to perform. I think this platform she was on was like for go-go dancers, but um, yeah, it was just that—that that was a fun night as well. I had never been, you know, th that deep into Silver Lake before. Um, oh yeah, here's Hello Kitty doing a DJ set. Um, this was at the, the Japanese American National Museum in Little Tokyo. Um, I, I really—if you look at her headphones, they're just really. That they're jewel encrusted, and you know, I, I don't know how they were able to g get a pair of headphones to fit that big head of hers. But yeah, she she would. That was a fun dance party for sure. She was a great DJ. Um, okay, yeah. So here um, is um, this singer. Her name is Johnette Napolitano. She's in the band called um, Concrete Blonde. This was taken at Wacko Soap Plant, which is just down the street from us. Um, if you look in the background, you can actually see uh, the Shires, um, the, the proprietors of Wacko Soap Plant. They're kind of like smiling in the background. Um, I, I, this was a secret show, actually. It was advertised as just Janet Napolitano performing, but actually she brought Concrete Blonde with her. So, um, yeah, I, I just felt really grateful just going out so much. I was able to, you know, wow, a, a secret show by Concrete Blonde in an art gallery? Like, well, where else am I going to see that? Um, so next, this is a band called Igor with uh, three R's. They're from France. Um, this is uh, at the Echoplex in Echo Park. Um, yeah, I just 
again, like to me, like if a photo looks cool, like that, that's all that that's all that matters to me. So I just really thought the lighting in this photo looked cool, and uh, kind of her, her silhouette against that light. Um, this is a band goes by uh, the name Android Lust. Um, this is at uh, a club called Bar Sinister in, in Hollywood, California. Um, yeah, I heard somebody laugh. It's, it's, a, it's a goth club. Uh, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that I, I go there pretty often. But um, yeah, I just thought I, I caught her in a, a, a really cool moment where she just kind of looks like, like a monster here. Um, so this is an artist that goes by the name Emily Autumn. Um, this was at the El Rey Theater um, over like kind of, you know, on, on Wilshire. Um, yeah, she's, she's another amazing performer. Um, she has a, a very flamboyant stage personality. Um, actually, she contacted me after I uploaded some photos online, and she asked me if she could use them um, for promotional purposes. And I, I said yes. I forgot to ask her to pay me. But um, it was still pretty cool to, to have her use my photos and to contact me. Um, so, yeah, this um, photo is a band called Baby Metal. Um, they are a very interesting band from Japan. They combine J-pop and death metal. Um, this was at the Fonda Theater in Hollywood. This was their first show ever in the United States. Um, after I uploaded these photos online, um, a, a lot of incredible things happened. Several music news sites contacted me and asked me if I could use them or if they could use them. And um, several people actually contacted me about paying me to use them. So um, something I'd recommend, if you're an artist, whether you're a photographer or anything, just put your work out there and you know, th things will happen for you. Um, so also at the Fonda Theater, this is an artist named Amanda Palmer. She um, is a singer for, or she was a singer for a band called the Dresden Dolls. Um, she famously used Kickstarter to raise over a million dollars for one of her solo albums. And um, then she went on to do a TED Talk about that experience and then wrote a book about it called The Art of Asking. Um, so th this was when she was on tour for that album. Um, and yeah, I just really feel like I caught her in a really cool moment here. Um, an interesting bit of trivia about Amanda Palmer is that um, her husband is um, author Neil Gaiman. And so, um, yeah, there's Neil Gaiman right there uh, kissing Amanda, his wife Amanda Palmer after the show in, in the Fonda Theater. So, so again, you know, the, the, the more you go out, the more you'll kind of experience these really cool things that you'd never expect to experience. Um, yeah, finally, this is a band called Sloppy Jane. Uh, uh, again, um, you, you just go out all the time. You never know what's going to happen. Like, you might see a band, and the singer might just get naked. Um, this was at The Smell in um, downtown Los Angeles. It's a DIY space. Um, if you ever go to DIY spaces... DIY stands for do-it-yourself, by the way. Um, yeah, anything can happen. So, um, yes, exactly what he said. Exactly what he said. Here, let me go back. So you, you can kind of see some of the blue paint on her mouth right there. Um, what she does, she vomits it, and then by the time she's done performing, she's so covered in sweat, usually the blue paint has fallen off by then, but there, there was still some around her mouth here. Good eye. Um... <laughs> Finally, um, th this is a this is Grumpy Cat. Um, at, at the at, this was at the Echoplex. It was a, f a festival called the Internet Cat Festival. This was about five years ago. Um, uh, rest in peace, Tardar Sauce. But um, yeah, not technically live music. But um, I didn't know where else to put it. But um, <laughs> I, I'm grateful that I had the chance to see Grumpy Cat in person. Um, only in LA, right? So um, next, I'd like to share some uh, photography I've taken of, uh, I guess you could call it 
fashion photography, not not really fashion photography, just going out and just experiencing, you know, fashion in, in person as opposed to like say editorial. Um, and also cosplay, for those of you who don't know, it's um, you know just wearing costumes and really immersing yourself in a character. I, I consider the two to go hand in hand. So um, yeah, so this was, um, well, it, in Little Tokyo, they do a lot of what they call fashion walks, which um, just a lot of fashion enthusiasts get together and they just kind of plan it themselves and they, they, they get together and they just march all over Little Tokyo. Um, I, for me personally, I think uh, Japanese fashion is, is very interesting. Um, you know, there's, there's a mix of different styles here. You could call some of it Lolita or Harajuku or Candy. But um, yeah, just these bright colors just look, look really amazing. So this was over by uh, Weller Court in Little Tokyo. Um, here's some more examples of uh, you know, some Japanese fashion. This was at a store in Little Tokyo called Fairy Tale Boutique. Unfortunately, it closed. But um, I, I believe it still exists online. Um, what I think is really interesting about this picture in, in particular, you can see um, not, it's not just strict like Japanese fashion. There's a lot of combinations of different fashion styles or, um, you know, from all over the world. Like if you look at each subject in this picture. Um, okay, yeah, so um, after Fairy Tale Boutique closed, another store in Little Tokyo popped up called Fickle Wish, which kind of... Um, filled the gap for, you know, that unique Japanese fashion. And they continue the tradition of doing fashion walks. So here was a, a fashion walk organized by Fickle Wish. Again, you can see a lot of the weird combinations. Like if you notice, um, the gentleman in the sailor suit is wearing a gas mask on the right, which I just think is a really interesting combination. Um, yeah, here, here's another fashion walk. This is over by the Japanese American National Museum. Um, yeah, you can just see so many different examples. Like, you know, you, you can't really use one word to categorize a lot of, you know, what, what, what you see at, at these types of events. Um, and, and finally, here's just one other picture from a fashion walk there. They're coming from the Japanese American National Museum. If you, if you look at the two subjects on the right, um, when I uploaded this picture online, um, or, or I should say a lot of the photos that I've uploaded online that have to do with um, Japanese fashion, people have contacted me asking me to use them, um, sometimes paying me to do so. So this photo in particular um, ended up on the cover of a book. Um, actually, both of these covers, the front and the back cover, they were pictures taken by me. Um, now, I was really fortunate that the author contacted me to use those. So, um, you know, it's like I said, just put your work out there and amazing things will happen for you. So, um, yeah, and then to get into other parts of L.A., this is um, from an event called a zombie fashion show. They usually do these around October. Um, I, I don't know if they do this yearly, but they've, they've done it several times since I've been here. So at this particular event, um, it's not just a fashion show, like clothing. It's also like a special effects makeup fashion show. So it kind of combines two things close to my heart. Um, Okay, yes, so this was taken at a, a horror convention um, called Days of the Dead. I, I consider body art, of course, to be another aspect of fashion. This gentleman's tattoo was just so incredible. I had to take a picture of it. Um, if you can't tell, it's um, Chucky from the Child's Play series um, killing the characters from Toy Story. Um, yeah, just so many different combinations that you can see are just so interesting. And like to have a full back piece like this, it's just vibrant color. And you know, for a gentleman like this, I don't know when he got it. If he got it years ago, that's so impressive that you know he he wears it so proudly. So um, yeah um, 
Okay, yeah, so here, um, this was at a, a store called Pinup Girl Boutique. This is in Burbank, California. Um, unfortunately, this store has closed as well. But um, this is a, a model and a burlesque dancer named Masumi Max. Um, here she is uh, showcasing, you know, some kind of like 50s fashion. But um, Masumi Max is really cool. I really admire her because um, she has a lot of different aspects to what she does. So, I mean, not only can she model just really cool classic fashion, but um, yet she also incorporates burlesque into her fashion as well. So this is up from the same show. She started in the poodle skirt and ended up, you know, with, with this cool burlesque number as well. Um, so uh, this was at a store called Japan LA in uh, Melrose, in Silver on Melrose, near West Hollywood. Um, this was around the time that they, they rebooted My Little Pony. So they had a, a big My Little Pony party. And um, th th this girl's jean jacket is just incredible. Like if, if you can see, she has a bunch of very classic My Little Pony figures stitched onto the back of it. And I just thought, wow, like th that's way cooler than like any biker jacket I've ever seen. Like n no studs or chains could ever be that cool. So I just had to get a picture of that. Um, yeah, uh, it's just, uh, for me personally, my, my sister was a big fan of My Little Pony, so I was just kind of like reliving my childhood looking at this, this young woman's jacket. Um, okay, and so here's more kind of, I guess, what, what you might call like a, a traditional fashion show. This was during, um, they, they do an event every year in Los Angeles called uh, Fashion Week. So th this was during one of those. This is over in West Hollywood. Um, a, a lot of those fashion shows, they're, they're open to the public. You just have to kind of look for them. So I thought, hey, you know, I'll, I'll check that out. It sounds pretty cool. And I just brought my camera with me. Um, yeah, I just really like the composition of this picture. Um, it, it reminds me a lot, if you've ever seen the movie Zoolander, um, th that, that whole evening kind of reminded me of being in Zoolander. So I, I definitely recommend checking out a, a Los Angeles fashion show if you ever get the opportunity. Um, Okay, so, so now I look to, to transition to what I consider to be another aspect of fashion. It's called cosplay. Um, so in this picture in particular, this was at an event for um, Pokemon Go. You know, that app was so popular, they started organizing parties around it. So this was a party in a little Tokyo based around Pokemon Go. Um, this little girl seemed very happy that I asked to take her picture. So I guess, um, you know, if you're a parent, you know, it's a very great bonding experience to, to cosplay with your children. Um, all right, so um, this was taken at a, what used to be called Stanley's Kamikaze. It's now called a Los Angeles Comic-Con, but in, in my mind, I always call it Kamikaze. Um, these are a good example of cosplayers, you know, from, from Western comics. So from right to left, we have Harley Quinn, we have Lex Luthor, we have Power Girl. And then on the very, very left is a character called uh, Mercy Graves. She originated in the Superman the Animated Series. Um, if you're a comics fan, that, that's a pretty deep cut to find a Mercy Graves cosplayer. Um, so, um, all right, yeah, so th this was taken at a WonderCon. Um, uh, I should mention that this one and the previous picture were taken at the Los Angeles uh, Convention Center. A lot of really cool conventions happened there. But um, yeah, this was a really cool uh, Steven Universe cosplayer. And then if you look in the background on the right, you can see somebody cosplaying as a Ken doll, complete with the, the Ken packaging. And then on the left, of course, we found Waldo. He's right there. So it's a, a triple whammy. Um, okay, so if we keep going, this was, this was also at WonderCon. This was a, a very interesting, um, you can call, they call them mashup cosplays, where you kind of take two different ideas and put them together. So on the right, there's kind of a mashup. You have a, it's not Captain America, it's Captain Mexico. And um, his weapon of choice is, of course, a machete. And then on the left, you have this Star Wars family. Um, I, I believe it centers around um, 
so I, I believe he, he called himself Han Cholo. And then, um, yeah, he, he has his, his whole family with him. You've got Leia and then you've got the, the, the droids. These are the droids you're looking for. All right, so um, yeah, if we keep going. So this is from uh, Anime Expo. That is um, probably my, my favorite convention that happens every year, also at the Los Angeles Convention Center. This young woman in particular was cosplaying as um, a female pyramid head from uh, the video game series Silent Hill. But um, when she took off her pyramid mask, I just found her face to be just so incredibly beautiful. Also, too, she's wearing these really cool red contact lenses. So to me personally, I, I found her cosplay to be even better when she took off the pyramid head. So, um, and then this is a character from an anime series called Kill la Kill. This really drives home how I consider cosplay to be an extension of fashion. Like so many cosplayers just, you know, look so incredible, you know, and they put in so much effort into their cosplays. So um, if you ever get a chance to go to Anime Expo, I highly recommend it. Um, and here we have a, a cosplayer dressed as Mew from Pokemon. This is over um, by Mocha in, uh, in Little Tokyo. Again, another very detailed cosplay. Um, and then here, this is over in uh, Hollywood. This is by Golden Apple Comics. We have a cosplayer dressed as classic Wonder Woman. But in, in the background, actually, someone had just gotten arrested. If you see all those policemen there. So I thought it was really funny that it looks like Wonder Woman just, you know, took care of some criminal and the, the police are mopping it up. So this is kind of an, an immersive photo right there. Um, here we have... Um, Heather's cosplayer from the movie Heather's. Um, there, there was a Heather's art show. This took place at a Meltdown Comics, Rest in Peace. Um, and yeah, I just never ever in my life thought I'd ever see Heather's cosplayers, but you know, here we are. Um, this was at a, a, a 20th anniversary screening of The Crow. This was at the Vista, which is right down the street. So you see all these different Crow cosplayers. Um, and and from, from, from all different adaptations, you have kind of the, the one from the comic, you have ones from the spin-offs. And then in the middle, um, that is an actress named Bai Ling. She was actually in the original Crow movie. She, she appeared at this viewing as a special guest. I just thought it was a really cool photo op to have them all together like that. Um, so here, we, <laughs> if you've ever heard of the band Ghost, um, they made an appearance at Amoeba Music, and I just thought that this young boy dressed as the singer of Ghost, Papa Emeritus uh, III, complete with the upside-down cross little, um, little staff, I just thought that was such an amazing cosplayer to, to see at a show like that. Um, and then finally here we have, um, okay, this, is, this takes a little explaining. Um, there was a, a pop-up shop in Echo Park. It was called the Jerry Maguire Video Store. It was a video store that only sold VHS copies of Jerry Maguire. And um, uh, there was a costume character here. He was covered entirely in Jerry Maguire VHS tapes. So I called him the Jerry Maguire Android. Um, I just not, don't think I'll ever see anything like that again. All right, so uh, on a more serious note, um, before 2016, I, I had never attended a protest march in my life, and uh, I, I never thought that I would, but um, in 2016, at the end of 2016, I, I just didn't know what to do with my emotions, and I just noticed so many of these marches were happening, I figured I would just go and, you know, see, see what they're like. So um, the, the very first march I went to, um, it started in uh, MacArthur Park, and it marched all the way into downtown. Um, and it was just an incredible crowd, an incredibly passionate crowd, um, you know, representing so many di di different facets of LA, you, as you can see the flags here. So here they are marching into downtown Los Angeles. Um, here you can, you can see the skylight here, the skyline, and you can see um, 
Well, what I think is really interesting about these these types of events is the way people express themselves in their signs and, and, and their you know what they bring with them and, and the the passion it takes them to march. So um, yeah, here, here's some some more great examples of signs. This was over closer to MacArthur Park. Um, it was just a very powerful day. Um, and then once they got into downtown Los Angeles, here you can see them um, you know using a, a pinata. So. Um, that, that was an incredibly powerful day, and it was only the first of many that, that would happen soon. So um, this was well, the inauguration march. This happened um, on the day of the inauguration in early 2017. I just remember it was raining that day. If you look at these, you can see everyone's carrying umbrellas. Um, and again, another powerful day just to see things like this in person. Um, yeah, here they are all, all lined up with their umbrellas. They didn't let that deter them. They, they just they marched on regardless. Um, yeah, just to see something like that big in person, again, was very powerful and very moving. Um, it helped, helped, helped me come to terms with a lot of things. So, um, yeah, so this is, like I said, it was the first of many. This was uh, the first women's march. This happened downtown. Um, a, another incredible day, just so incredibly crowded. I couldn't believe how many people were there, and it was it's amazing to be part of it. This was taken at the beginning of the march in Pershing Square. Um, and then here you can see they had a stage set up. You know, there's so many different, like, you know, people expressing themselves through performance, expressing these emotions was incredible to see in person as well. Um, okay, I'm getting the hook, so I'll just go through these really quickly now. So, um, yeah, here's we just have a, this is from the Immigration March. Again, uh, really cool signs here. Um, this is the, the International Women's March. Um, this is Alice Bag from the, the band The Bags. She performed um, in person as well. Here we have the March for Science. Again, some, some really cool signs as well. Um, here, you know, Bill Nye and Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um, this was from the Tax March. Um, again, very, very powerful signs here. Um, this is a, a march called the Slut Walk that happens downtown as well. So um, again, this is, this is a kind of a different thing. This is put on by Amber Rose, who you can see here. Um, this is just very powerful performances during the day. This is a, a, a separate Slut Walk the, the next year. Um, and then uh, finally, we, this is from uh, the Go Topless Parade in Venice Beach. Um, uh, it's just another powerful uh, feminist march, and it's just amazing to be to, to see that in person. So um, yeah, I'm just going to speed through these really quickly now. So um, I, I went to Santa Monica one time when they had a Canon pop-up shop, and they let me use a camera that cost about $5,000. I had to basically sign 50 forms and sign off my uh, firstborn child. But um, yeah, I took a bunch of really cool pictures with it. So um, yeah, this was at Third Street Promenade. Just, just really felt really fortunate to take a picture of such an expensive camera that I, I would never be able to afford otherwise. Um, so finally, I, I, I'll speed through this as well. Like I said, I've been coming as a customer to Skylight Books for 10 years. So I just wanted to share some photos I've taken with you um, over that time. So um, here's John Waters when he appeared in Skylight Books. Um, I can't remember exactly what he was doing. He scrunched his face up like that. I just thought it looked really cool. Um, here's Sherman Alexi. Um, he, he, he appeared, you know, um, when, when he just put out um, his book Blasphemy. Really, really, really amusing, really funny in person. Um, here's Moby. Um, it was really cool to see him as well. I really like this picture of like you know all these books behind with his face right next to him. Um, here's uh, Cecil Castellucci on the left. She, if you've ever been to Skylight Books, you've probably seen her either presenting or hosting somebody else. So she brought some readers up with her to read her books to read her book in person. Um, this was a really cool event for um, a magazine called Selfish, where they, they played a drinking game in person with all these authors. Um, this was a Harry Potter con cosplay contest. This happened when um, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child came out. Um, here's Felicia Day. 
So um, the reason she's making this face here was that somebody tricked her into asking his girlfriend to marry him. And so she's making just this incredible surprise face because she didn't, she didn't even realize she had done it until afterwards. Um, here was the Skylight Staff Showcase from 2016. So um, th this guy brought in a giant bass with him. I, I don't know his name. I'm sure somebody else does. Great. There we go. And then here was a performer who went by the name Darth Brooks. He was, a cr he was a cross between Darth Vader and Garth Brooks, and he performed really cool country in a, in a Darth Vader voice. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sitting through this slideshow. I'm glad we made it. If you want to see more of my photography, you can follow these links. If you go to the bottom link, you can see the uncensored stuff. Thank you so much. Uh, good night. Awesome. Thank you, Ian. Woo! Um, all right. Our next performer... Uh, is the only person that I would trust to explain quantum physics to me. Um, she's very smart, very funny, very talented. Her name is Heather Freud. Please give her a warm round of applause. Thank you. And record. Um, thank you so much for coming. There are a few people here who went to my last stand-up effort. And I want to say right off the bat, um, tonight I'm not going to do any rape jokes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Uh, but I am, I am going to talk about murder. And everybody loves a good murder, right? I mean, look at all the podcast charts. Um, but good murder is the key way to look at it, right? It has to be a puzzle. It has to be something you want to figure out, something that you want to know all the details about. You want to know all the clues, like a, like a crossword puzzle. It's like the Sunday crossword puzzle. Murders, true crime, it's all really like a new Rubik's Cube. Um, so I will talk about murder, but not yet. First, I'm going to talk about pill bugs. <laughs> now, Pillbugs, I, I don't know. They have lots of different names. I don't know whether it's a regionalism or what, but they go by all kinds of names. So why don't we have some applause to see which name you all like best. So Pillbug, you all know. Yeah, like a good solid Pillbug. There's also, they're known as roly-polies. Okay, okay. Yes. Yep, 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 yep. Um, also, um, they are called potato bugs. Oh, okay, potato bug. Um, but uh, wood lice? Anyone for wood lice? Nah. All right, well, I'm going to just go with pill bug because um, I don't think I can get through a set talking about roly polies. I just can't. So, pill bugs. Um, now, the pill bug. So you know, you, you know what they look like. They look, you know, they roll up, they're segmented, they're little, well, they're wood lice, but okay, pill bugs. Um, and the thing about the pill bug is that they're like, um, they're like people who have a really 
illustrious name, but they're no relation to the original historical figure. So they go through their entire lives explaining, no, I'm not related to that Helen Keller. No, I'm not related to the Harriet Tubman. No, I just, I just named Harriet Tubman. But so pill bugs, they're not, it's not only that they're named Helen Keller or Harriet Tubman. No, no. They look like they should be descended from the most illustrious and well-known and numerous fossil of all time, the trilobite. Yeah, trilobites. Uh, I, I, they only go by the trilobite, as far as I know. I don't know. But the thing is, both roly-polies and trilobites, they're not related at all. Not at all. Well, I mean, you know, like, way, 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 way back. But, but not really. Not enough to, for pill bugs to be able to say, yeah, I'm related to trilobites. No. No. But they can both roll up in balls as a defense mechanism. Um, and, and trilobites, so trilobites are many, many different kinds. We're not going to get into it. But yeah, trilobites could roll up in balls when threatened. There are some fossils where um, they're, in, they're in little balls. But some, some trilobites, like at the beginning, when they were just working it out, they could only fold themselves in half. <laughs> this is true. So they're like they're like little fossilized uh, dumplings or, or apple turnovers. Um, so the pill bug really has an advantage there, but um, but no no they're they're not actually related to trilobites. Um, you know what it's called scientifically when a pill bug curls up in a ball? It's called enrollment. <laughs> Which explains why there are so many pill bugs at universities. Okay, now back to murder. Um, so my uncle was murdered last month, and uh, it wasn't a good murder. It really wasn't. I don't know all the details yet because there's an investigation and all. But um, it happened in Wales. That's W-A-L-E-S, if there are any... Donald Trump's in the audience, like, it's not the Prince of Wales, no, no, no. Um, and my uncle, the thing is, he worked for a while for Mother Teresa in India, and so since he died on the street in broad daylight in Wales, a good British uh, street, <laughs> awesome. it made for some really fantastic clickbait headlines online um, all over, all over the world, really. Um, you know, Mother Teresa's assistant killed on the street in Wales. It's a, I mean, it's a fantastic headline. It really is. But, um, you know, he did other stuff, too. This was, he worked for Mother Teresa a long time ago. He also helped save elephants from poachers. Yeah, and he set up schools for girls in India and Thailand. Um, now, this is all great, but I know this man was no saint. He, when I was 13, my uncle told me that my perfume smelled bad. I know. And I mean, he had probably, he, he would just 
jet in from somewhere other. He'd probably just come from establishing a school for other 13-year-old girls in Thailand so that they could get an education instead of being forced to marry 50-year-old men. But um, no, he told me my perfume smelled bad. I mean, it's a sensitive time in a 13-year-old American girl's life, being 13. Um, but my uncle, he also, he also disappeared for the last 30 years. So I don't know. I like to think that he was just going around the world, being a jerk, telling people their perfume smelled bad. I mean, <laughs> it just makes his death a little easier. Um, so, and he's probably, he's probably the, he, he was the sort of person, really, who would find all that pillbug stuff just silly. He would. And you know why? Because he was, he was kind of a trilobite. He was, he was, he was, well, he is dead. <laughs> and my mother, this is his sister, um, she's, so she's been going through all her boxes of stuff, all her photos and blah, 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 who knows what. But she texted me, and this is a terrible time for her. This is a really awful, 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 awful time for my mother. Um, and she texted me and said she'd come across a poem I'd written when I was 14. Um, and I just imagined, uh, I just imagined her going through all those boxes of memorabilia. And then she comes across this poem here. I'm going to read it because it's very short. And um, last year at Skylight Showcase, I read a bunch of poems I wrote in elementary school. So um, here's the poem. <laughs> now, just picture my mother. She's, she's her, her brother, bleh. Everything's, you know, I mean, so she's going through these boxes. She's in Massachusetts. She's not here. But so she's probably alone. She's probably crying. I mean, everything you can imagine. She comes across this poem by her daughter, her teenage daughter. There once was a kid named Fred. Oh, I'd like to dedicate this poem to my uncle, Mark. There once was a kid named Fred who thought he'd be better off dead. He tried poison and rope fire, drowning, and dope, but finally shot himself in the head. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, but, but it's terrible, isn't it? That's what, that's what she came across, and I was wondering. It's just terrible. I feel really bad for my mom. I don't know. I don't know if I've been supporting her properly in this time, but I was wondering if you all would help me be a better daughter uh, since I am recording this, I'll send it to my mom, maybe. I haven't decided yet, but um, maybe. We'll see. Maybe on the count of three, could we just say, sorry for your loss. Pachula? That's her name, Pachula. Yeah, we're going to do this. Sorry for your loss. Sorry for your loss. Pachula. Yep. All right. One, two, Three, sorry for your loss, Petula. Yes, thank you everyone so much.
Wow, thank you, Heather. She does always have the good animal facts. So if you're here shopping and you're like, oh, I really wish I had an animal fact, go see Heather. Um, I'm next. Um, I don't have a bio. My name's Maddie. Uh, I draw and I write. And last year, um, a friend and I applied to produce season three of SF MoMA's art podcast, uh, Raw Material. And they chose us. Um, so we made a whole season about land art in California. Um, and I wanted to share with you just a little snippet from my favorite episode that we did, which is about Judy Chicago and her Atmospheres series, which is a little-known feminist land art work um, that was, is little-known because it was ephemeral. It was made of smoke. It disappeared. Um, but it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. So I'm going to play you a snippet and show you some video of Atmospheres. Yodelman says she's maintained close ties with her old classmates. The community they built allowed them to accomplish things. I'm oh, sorry, uh, context. Um, we're in, in this snippet, we're interviewing an artist called Nancy Yodelman, who was in Judy Chicago's um, graduate art program, feminist art program in the uh, 70s. So she's about to tell you about some cool stuff they did. Things that would have been impossible to do alone. Then today, if we get together as a group, it's almost like these comrades who have fought battles together. It's like time just sort of drops away and there's this incredible bond. When Chicago left Fresno to teach at CalArts, Nancy Yodelman followed and enrolled in a performance art class that culminated in a full day of activities. It was a whole day of performance where we drove in cars down this Route 126, which is a little north of CalArts, all the way to Ventura, and we did pieces all along the way. And at some point, Judy did something with yellow flares, smoke flares, and eggs. All these eggs were placed, and people were nailing Kotexes up to telephone poles, and. And then my piece, I waited till we were at Ventura. I had all this silk and I completely wrapped my body with it and walked into the ocean till I disappeared. And it must be documented somewhere. I have a, just a few like slides of like, this little me in the water way out that it doesn't really look like anything. Because you disappeared. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Years later, the piece was mentioned in Chris Krause's book, I Love Dick. And one thing that Chris Krause says, if it, that had been men doing that for a day, it would have been famous. Everyone would have known about it. But since it was women, it's just kind of, well, it's just gone. It was around this time that Chicago had started to develop a series that she would call Atmospheres. I decided to do a series of atmospheres using colored smokes. And the reason I called them atmospheres was 
because I wanted to change the macho atmosphere of Southern California. And I thought maybe I could do it if only for a moment through filling that. Okay, sorry, technical difficulties. Give me one second. Ah, what was I thinking trying to do technology? <laughs> All right, well, I think this maybe is not gonna work, so I'll just play, I'll just keep playing this and you'll just have to imagine. I think it's described pretty well. <laughs> Atmosphere with soft, beautiful color. So I started out, me and another woman, I rented smoke guns and it was one of those artist organized events in the park in Pasadena and we walked around with the smoke guns making this huge pile of white smoke and all these kids followed us and it was like being the Pied Pipers. Anyway, so then I started wanting to do more and I got interested actually in mixing color in the air She wanted to lay out colors in the air the same way she would lay out colors inside her paintings. The smokes bloomed in the landscape and colored clouds flowed over mountains and rivers before they were blown away, leaving no trace. Chicago began inviting friends and even students to participate. Nancy Yodelman volunteered along with a handful of others. And one early summer morning, Chicago picked them up in Los Angeles with a box of donuts and drove them all out east, out into the desert to perform the piece. Judy had very clear plans on what she wanted to do. I was painted red with acrylic paint and had either a wig or long hair, and she had me walking from a distance up near the camera with my arms straight up, holding in each arm a red smoke flare. The way it billows, it's just kind of like clouds, but a life of its own. I felt very connected, like the smoke was coming out of my arms, but I also remember the sand was hot, it was the middle of the day, and I didn't have shoes on. Oh yes, I was naked, of course, we, yes, we had to be, to be painted. And Chris Rush, Judy painted her yellow. Judy also painted her hair, and it was with acrylic paint, so she was completely painted yellow, and she danced, and there were yellow flares, smoke flares. But I remember that really well, because she, it was really hot. Chris was dancing, and it was this wild dance, but after a little bit, she got really sick and started vomiting. <laughs> from, I think, a combination of the heat, the activity, and maybe being completely covered with acrylic paint. But for me, it was, it was exciting to be part of something. Though she aimed to feminize the atmosphere with her smoke, Chicago first had to deal with the very male world of pyrotechnics. There were no female pyrotechnicians at that time in California. And the, the way you got a license was by apprenticing to a fireworks company, which I was doing. And the head of the fireworks co company was sexually harassing me. And again, it was a time where you don't talk about that. 
I couldn't file a complaint. There was nothing to do but get away from him. Nevertheless, Chicago persisted. She went on to make similar pieces, eventually working with the vapor from dry ice. She took these performances to urban settings where the smokes covered the built environment. It hid and softened what she saw as very male architecture. And she's still working with fireworks. Most recently, she created pyrotechnic shows with flares that formed the image of a giant butterfly. I didn't see myself as a land artist. I mean, I, I didn't. Like, I think it was until Phillips Ends of the Earth show where he put me in that context and I thought, well, yeah, it, it belongs in that context. While Chicago was annoyed at the macho land artists and their plundering of the earth, she acknowledges that this Western spirit of self-invention gave her the freedom to experiment. She says that it's no coincidence that her time in California generated both the first feminist art program and the Atmospheres series. I see that it was a gesture of liberation. That's what it was, trying to liberate my color from the formal structures. I was just exploring what I could do. And also, as macho as Southern California was, there was also a spirit of self-invention that greatly contributed to my development as an artist. All right, so I'm gonna stop it there. All right, thank you guys for listening. Um, I really recommend looking up the atmospheres. Um, Google them, they're beautiful and strange. It's like watching aliens walk across the surface of the moon in a different galaxy. Like, it's so cool. Um, and, and I think it's, there's something to be said for the fact that this particular series started here in LA. Um, it started here with scrappy art students going out with a box of donuts uh, to you know, nail cotexes to trees and explode fireworks. Like, that's so Southern California. It's amazing. Um, yeah, so if you like that, uh, please check us out. We are still up on SoundCloud. There's six episodes. Um, one of them's about Disneyland. Um, there's lots of, lots of hidden gems in there, so I hope you check it out. Um, thank you. Okay, so we're coming into the home stretch here. We've got some real ringers for you. Um, our next performer, Christine Blackburn, hosts a storytelling game show called Story Smash, um, which is a cracking good time. It's at the Hollywood Improv, and the next show is this Saturday. So if you like what she's doing, come and check out her show. Please give Christine a round of applause. Yes, in fact, there's good news ahead because uh, there's more alcohol and there's only one guy after me. So there you go. Uh, I moved to this neighborhood 22 years ago and um, I started working here at the store in one capacity or another like 18 years ago, like a long time ago. So um, it's fun. Hi, Mary. A little bit about me uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, including the employees here. I have one kidney. Thank you very much. A lot of people ask me if I have to go to the bathroom more often. No, that would be the bladder. The kidney filters. You're welcome. 
I am the youngest of six children. I have four older sisters and an older brother. So I'm the youngest. And uh, I know for a fact that when I was born, like my parents totally wanted another boy. I mean, obviously, right? For instance, my father called me Christopher his whole life. And my mother had me circumcised. So it was... I recently turned 50. 50. And then I turned 51. Then I turned 52. You'll see, you guys. It's going to happen to you, too. You'll see. You know, wipe that smirk off your face, man. Because you turn 48, then you turn 49, and then you start getting these flyers and postcards from AARP, and they want you to join their club, and they'll send you a tote bag or a lunchbox or an ice pack. Don't you join that club, you guys. Don't do it. There's only one way out. That's death. People like to tell me that I look good for my age. You look good for your age. You're really pretty, Christine, for your age. I want to say, you know what? You talk too much for your age. Uh, yeah, so I have had, I've had two marriages. Yay! <laughs> so sad, man. I totally failed. Uh, the first, stop taking pictures, please. Honestly, it's, we're in a bookstore. Uh, my first husband got another girl pregnant while we were married. And I'm flexible, but not that flexible. And then my second husband didn't want to have sex with me. And like a whole year passed, and he didn't want to have sex with me. There's no joke there. That's just what happened right there. Uh, so now I am a single mom. A lot of you guys know that I'm a single mom. Now it's a big turn on to single guys out there. I know that. Uh, my daughter, she's 12, you know, 12. That's like puberty, etc. And you want to be cool as a parent. You know what I mean? Like, you, I'm a cool mom. You know what I mean? You want to be, like, be normal with them. Like, be straightforward. Like last week, my daughter asked me, Mama, what's virginity? So I told her, you know. And then I added that most girls lose their virginity between the ages of 38 and 42. <laughs> My daughter's name is Alabama. And I'm starting to regret naming her that. I think I should have named her something more progressive, like Postmates. <laughs> Sometimes people ask me, like, did you name her Alabama because you're from Alabama? No, then she'd be called Pittsburgh. Was she conceived in Alabama? No, then she'd be called Las Vegas. Or Mandalay Bay, to be more specific. I actually named her after that movie, True Romance. Remember that movie? Uh, Patricia Arquette, actually. She played the character uh, Alabama Whirly. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't tell my daughter that, though, because that character was a prostitute. So that's not, you know... Although, from there, she could only go up, so maybe I should. So now I'm dating. And you, you know, when you date at my age, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> you don't use those cute little websites called OKCupid and Match.com. That's not for me. No. I have, to be on a, I have to be on a site called Our Time. That's the name of the site. Our Time. I think it should be called, it's the last chapter of our lives. And it's a motherfucking short chapter. Let's hook up. Our time 
It's my time. Are you kidding me? Five decades into this? It is my time. Do I want to go see the new Avengers movie with you? No, thank you. It's my time. Do I want to go watch live MMA fighting with you? No, thank you. It's my time. Do I want to get stoned and hang out at the House of Pies? Okay, sure, let's go. Come on. Fred 62, they got the homemade Pop-Tart. Come on. Uh, but I, I am dating, like I said, on our time, and I met, I met a guy there. Uh, you know, he's older, he's 56, uh, but he's handsome for his age. And uh, I like him, I do. First of all, though, uh, he's Jewish. Fair enough, but I am not Jewish. And that makes me a, sh 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 a shithead, shithead. Yeah, no, that's what his mother says, for sure. Now, it's going well, except for the fact that he lives in Westchester. Like, I live near here, the store. I work here. I live here in Los Feliz, and he lives in Westchester. What is in Westchester? You got your LAX, and you got an in-out burger. That's it. And unless I need a double-double on the way out of town, I'm not going there. But he will come here. He will come here. You know why? Because he knows, first off, that it's my time. And also that I'm a MILF. I'm a mom in Los Feliz. Thank you guys very much. All right. Bringing it home. We've got Arlo and Ashling. Let me read you their intro. Ashling and Arlo, they play sometimes in a band called Fragile Gang. Please give it up for Ashling and Arlo. Hello, everyone. Hello. <laughs> um, so we got a couple of orchestra jokes because Ashling's playing violin tonight. Yeah. And uh, she usually plays electric guitar or, or bass or something. So yeah, we were uh, backstage. And we were, we were, uh, <laughs> we were doing some uh, cello shots. <laughs> and you know. There's supposed to be another player tonight, and that person couldn't show up. We needed someone to play, and we needed them like ASAP. So we were like, um, what's the bassoonist you can get here? Um, so lots of uh, time, time goes by, time is painful, um, you know. You, uh, you get older, you um, have uh, fallings out with people, but um, we're wondering, what is the most painful stretch of time? That's the hour, ow, hour. So, but hopefully we're gonna try to make this uh, less painful than that joke, the next five minutes. And we think we made up all those jokes because we, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, here, we're going to put this one by the guitar, even in this one. This one's two. Which one's two? 
uh, the guitar one. And I want to celebrate Steve. Yeah. For all the things he does here at Skylight and uh, all the creativity he brings to life and to art, to music. And a lot of, want to celebrate all the employees here. Um, okay, this, this is a new song that we're working on. Uh, this is the one with the reverb? Which one? This one? <laughs> check, check. Yeah, put it on this one, like sauce it up. Yeah, no, this one's one. Yeah, in the music biz, we call it saucing it up. Yeah. Check, check. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Okay.
Okay, that, I mean, that was, that was it? No, that was it, but. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you want to do? Yeah. Who's down? Who's down? Yeah. 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 Hello. 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 Oh, wow, both of them. Both of them. <laughs> is that cool? Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, I'm going to leave it right here. Okay. That was a brand new one, and this is a rather older one. Okay. Walking in the autumn 
All right, guys. Thank you all. Well, oh, this is still echoey. This is weird. Echo, echo, echo. Um, thank you all so much for coming out tonight. Um, can you all do me a favor and just start rubbing your hands together like this? Great, thank you. Uh, I'm going to need you to clap for a, for a little bit, so I need you to get ready. Just warm up those hands. Okay. So, obviously, this is not our entire staff who performed tonight. Um, but just because most of our staff did not perform tonight doesn't mean they aren't also extremely disgustingly talented. Um, so I would like for everyone here to please give it up for, you can start clapping now, Jen, David, Ramiro, Kelsey Ford, Ginny, Frida, Elisa, Alex H, Alex B, Bo, Mick, Sydney, Valerie, Eve, Charles, Steve, Naomi, Dylan, Kaveh, and last but not least, certainly not least, Mary, our store manager. <laughs> Thank you all so much for coming out tonight. Oh, also a round of applause for the former Skylighters. I think there might be some of you here. Um, we have a great community here, and we're so happy that you all came out to support us tonight, and just as we support you throughout the year by providing you with great books. So uh, please come back for future events. Um, thanks all again, and have a great night. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget, you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.